You're listening to The Pedestal from Mike on Much, presented by Much Studios. Welcome to The Pedestal. I'm your host, Mike Veerman, and I'm here with Shane Christian Cunningham, who also joins me on the Mike on Much podcast. And we are joined with, as always, Jonathan Popolis. Hello, how's it going, guys? It's going real good, John. Excellent. Today, we are talking about Terminator 2 Judgment Day. A movie that is most definitely, I think, on the pedestal for a lot of people. For a little bit of context, this movie came out in 1991. It uh, was the second highest grossing film of 1991. And guys, we haven't done a 1991 film, I think, yet in our full uh, pedestal canon because Mm -hmm. I didn't recognize any of these top five movies as movies we've discussed before. So do you guys want to take a shot at the top five? Again, Terminator 2 was second. Home Alone 2 didn't come out that year, did it? Lost in New York? It did not. Uh, Batman Returns? Nope. What came out in 1991? Do you want me to start with number five? Sure. Give you a little, so I can little start, context. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, City Slickers was the fifth highest grossing <laughs> film starring Jack Palance and uh, Billy push-ups. Crystal. That's um, right. The Oscars. <laughs> number four. They actually dominated the Oscars that year, if you guys can remember this one. but Domin- Unforgiven? No. Dominated the Oscars in 91. A Silence of the oh, Lambs. Oh, shit, of course. Number three did not dominate the Oscars and I think actually got kind of panned but was very popular. Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves. Oh, that movie was horrible. Made a shit ton of money, baby. (laughs) Number two, of course, Terminator 2, Judgment Day. And number one, you guys, maybe we'll get, I can give you a clue. Yeah. I wouldn't have got it. It's animated. Oh, uh, it's not Five, is it? Johnny got it. Beauty and the Beast. What did you think? Five goes west? I'm just throwing shit out there. (laughs) Beauty was nominated for an Oscar. It was. Yeah. The only Disney film ever. That movie was great. As Best Picture, I think, right? Was that the deal? Mm -hmm. Crazy. How did the they make Emma, not so good? Yeah, the Emma Watson one. I haven't watched it. It's on Netflix. It's, it was good on on the big screen because the 3D was actually pretty good. But the moment you remove the 3D element, it's just it's nothing. I don't what? know why they did it. Okay, guys, this movie, uh, Terminator 2: Judgment Day, obviously directed and I believe written by Mr. James Cameron. He's the highest grossing director of all time. Is he? That's an interesting oh, fact. Must. I was asking a question, I don't but know. I think he is. He's got to be. I mean, yeah. Titanic. If Titanic and Avatar, just that alone, right? Yeah, man. Uh, speaking of movies taking a long fucking time to come out, when are we getting <sighs> Avatar 2? Ask man. nobody. Okay. Uh, so that was a joke because Avatar <laughs> was fine. Whatever. I thought it was the, good. He's shooting but it's the not... two back to back. Yeah. He's been yeah. doing that for like a decade, it feels mm-hmm. like. Yeah. Because I, it feels, it feels, I was actually talking to Sarah about this, where it does feel like. He's so obsessed with creating this avatar world. Now, I think it's important to talk about because James Cameron being kind of crazy is important sure. for, for all of this stuff. That he wants to create this world and the movie is just this thing that he must deliver for us to be able to finance this actual creation of an actual like planet. That seems to be what is happening. He's always been a tech head, right? Like oh, yeah. sometimes the technology drives the filmmaking as opposed to the other way around with him. And you've seen that a lot. Like obviously the abyss was like groundbreaking. Mm-hmm. This movie T2, we'll mm-hmm. get into uh, Titanic, all of it. Yeah, of course. Mm-hmm. Um, so this movie made $523.7 million in 1991. I can't mm-hmm. even imagine what the adjustment for inflation is, but uh, you guys, we always do this. Guess the budget. I never know budgets. 50 million. Five zero for Johnny. Shall no. Go? Yeah. $60 million. I'm saying 100 million. In 1991? Yeah. But I thought we had, anyways. 
So Shaney is much closer. Oh, on, on, on Wikipedia, they had it between 94 and 102 million. I don't know why they couldn't peg it, but who knows? Maybe there's still some receipts coming in for some of those VFX. <laughs> but uh, so so it was uh, over 100 million dollars, most likely. Which does make sense because you remember Waterworld at 200 million was considered like the biggest sort of like. Remember, 200 million became the mark of like. If then this must be the movie that. That blew it out because there was because I keep guessing these. But budgets. hundred million for a movie like this seems reasonable. Yeah. But that's what I keep thinking, and then I'm guessing there's like 1988 budgets, and they're like budgets of like six million and eleven million. I'm but like, you're you guessing it on the wrong movies. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yes. And like a movie like this, think about it. I haven't seen this much shit blown up ever. So just oh, yeah. just practical effects alone, they must have blew. I just the don't bank. know what things cost. And then VFX, <laughs> like there's just everything's going on in this movie that would cost yeah. a lot of money. Animatronics, all everything 100%. you can use in a movie, they use. And the budget for the first one had to have been like that. Had to be like five million dollars. Like it had to be like. I've nothing. never seen the first. One. Yeah, me either. Oh wow! Or I've seen half of it, maybe. Do you think this is the movie that, or the sequel that most people have seen that haven't seen the first one? It's a great question. It's I don't think there's there. another one out there. Like a more popular part two, like where no one has seen the first. You wouldn't one. see The Godfather two, even though people think it's the best one, without seeing one. You would exactly. see Godfather. Everyone right. who's seen yeah. Godfather, I've seen that argument all day. What's the best sequel? Yeah, not time? a better sequel, but like without where, having to where see you the first haven't, one. It, where it's not even necessary to see. It's the almost first like one. a prequel that exists if you want to see it, but it's more. Yeah. The two is the two in the name is is wrote. Speaking of 90, 1991 movies, isn't Silence of the Lambs a sequel to Manhunter that no one's oh, seen? Oh, yeah. that's maybe that's your answer because we saw Manhunter together. Remember? In the, yeah, that, that's that, true. It's like Color of Money is a sequel to The Hustler. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, not yeah. really. Silence of the you Lambs, know? though. Like, I think that there's many people who don't even know that there's sure. one that comes before it. But to Shane's point, this is a true sequel where people maybe just skip yeah. the Terminator. Where it has and like, the same characters, and, and there shit. are absolute, and it's the continuation of the story. And there are yeah. absolute. Things where I, I sometimes want, like, because I love the first one, where yeah. I'm like, there are things that are full on direct references to the first movie. But that, still, I don't consider it a true sequel. Um, like, I don't consider Home Alone 3 a real Home Alone. <laughs> There's no Calkin. <laughs> it ain't a sequel. How dare you? Guys, as we like to do on this podcast, first, we are going to talk about our thoughts the first time we saw it. So in 1991, what did young Shane, Johnny, and Mikey V think of Terminator 2? What are, what are our, our, our relationships like with this film as young men? Uh, I thought it was awesome, and I wanted to be Edward Furlong. I really liked his haircut. I thought it was cool. Still a cool haircut. Uh, I liked his lifestyle. I liked how he was able to get money out of a bank machine. I thought that was very... Uh, <laughs> that was like my fantasy to just be able to... like. Be able to extract money and go to an arcade. It was it, pretty cool. It's that, exactly where I would have went. I would have went fucking, straight from the bank machine to the arcade that at Limeridge Mall. That that movie has two futuristic robots traveling back in time, and that piece of technology where he got pin numbers for a credit card might be the most uh, biggest reach in yeah. that movie as far as technology. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was like, point. what the fuck? <laughs> anyway, I was like, how did he get his hands? This thing well, is the, the most valuable is his piece. Mom of, has all these, and he know. didn't even bother covering his face. Like, do they not have cameras <laughs> that can easily detect who it is? Jackpot. <laughs> but yeah. No one I, wants to arrest I, him. Great hair. I was blown away. You love this movie. Big presence, though. Like, was it a popular movie? Do you remember it being around? Yeah. yeah. It was like the movie. Interesting. Yeah. I was I was a very uh, weenie little baby boy who uh, <laughs> was very got very scared by movies that weren't even necessarily scary movies. Hmm. And this was absolutely one of those movies that, like, actually scared the shit out of me. Can I guess what movie, what part scared you the most? Grabbing the fence when she's like burning and she's like, no, no that's no. great me. effect, by the way. Yeah. That was great. The Can thing? I guess what was the most sure. striking image for you was when the, the, the T-1000 uh, 
has been shot at the end, and he's like this discombobulated metal thing. No, and his head's hanging no. by a thread. It's two. There's two things in particular. Okay, and it's the two times that the T1000 kills. People. Oh, like that was gonna be my he, next guess through kill, the phone. When he kills the foster yeah. dad. What's wrong with Wolfie? I can hear him barking. Is he okay? Wolfie's fine, honey. Wolfie's just fine. What are you? Plus the parents are dead. That like that was my prediction. That like actually kind of fucked me up. Your prediction was defense. I know, but when, that, when you were gonna go <laughs> and 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 when he turns from being the floor up to the security guard and then like kills him through the eye, just like it just terrified me. And there are I'll get into this later yeah. as well. There are like legit horror elements to this movie, and I just remember like just being terrified of this movie. And I was getting, well, as I got older, obviously I love this movie. After he becomes older. the floor, you're kind of like, is there anything he can't do? I like, did. I said to, to my wife, I'm like, why doesn't he just like turn into a wheel and just like chase after him that way? Is mm-hmm. it really just running? It has the to quickest? be roughly the same size and it can't have complex components. That's why he can't turn himself into a bomb. And right, so, but like, he can but he but can the be floor a, wasn't metal. I thought it had to be kind of metally. No, he can he can absorb he can basically become anything if it's roughly his size, so he couldn't become a giant wheel. But he can become a wheel of his size just to chase them, right? I don't know. I don't but know. Unless you're going really downhill, nice. how do you get the momentum going? I guess that's true. And I guess that they show that he can't change that. He can change small parts quickly, but sure. he can't. There, there, are, there are rules that actually do help this movie a Which lot. Which I kind of appreciated that they Me set too. some ground rules. Yes. He was terrifying, though. He was relentless. I mean, we'll he get into so that character. He was so scary. He, yeah. as a kid, one of the, like, up there with the raptors in Jurassic Park as the, the movie monsters that scared me the most as a young what scares you now dying old and alone oh, of course <laughs> it's funny how that thing changes when you get older uh this movie was extremely present uh in my young life because uh my best friend growing up lee penrose fucking loved this movie so it was on a lot like it would it would get if we had sleepovers like every weekend it would be on every other weekend so it's like as a kid i really did like this movie but i've never been a huge fan of like um Shoot like another one. People love Die Hard. Like Die Hard would be on the VHS machine a lot, and I'd be like, I like those movies. I don't dislike them, but I was never like I would be more interested in watching The Princess Bride more than say T two a bunch of times. I, I don't think I've ever liked another action movie. In my yeah, life. but this is the thing. It 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 is like I did really enjoy it, and it's got so many iconic scenes. I, I'm just saying, like my relationship with it was it was very present. I enjoyed it, but it wasn't like, a, hey man, like let's throw on T two and watch it just because I've never really been that into it but I, I did like it and uh it was around a lot it's funny because that neither of you have seen the first one but i definitely had a bigger relationship to the first one when i was a kid if only because as i said before we have our like library of, of vhs movies when i was a kid and my dad taped terminator one off tv and it just was something you threw on and it wasn't as scary as the second one so it was something that a younger me could handle more so i, I just as a young person saw the first one way more yeah, it's interesting. I mean, I guess this will bring us to to us all watching this recently within the last week and getting to our case for keeping it on the pedestal. You know, things that we like now, the best scene, the best performance. Um, I guess off the bat, the one thing I'd say is like in the moment, you know, in the early 90s when this movie was around, it already felt iconic. You know what I mean? Like it felt iconic. It was parodied, obviously, in Wayne's World 2, uh, mm-hmm. where they actually had Robert Patrick pull yeah. over the Mirth machine or whatever, the Mirthmobile. Have you seen this boy? Exactly. Yeah. Uh, so it's like, it felt iconic in the moment, and then, you know, 25 years later, whatever it is, I'm not a math guy, uh, it still feels... Uh, I'm not a math guy. <laughs> very iconic. Like, all the scenes, they, they, they still resonated in, like, a way where you go, oh, fuck yeah, this movie is, like, one of those, like, classic action superhero movies. Like, the, the right. framing, when Arnold's, like, standing in a windowsill and he's shooting things, it's just, like, 
fuck, that's like that's a hero. Like that's like this is a classic, the best way I've ever, you can see a movie like this done. Do we want to get into it then? Because I got a lot to say about everything you just said. Yeah, let's let. So the, this is the this is the case for keeping it on the pedestal. Like, what did we like, uh, John? You want to start? Yeah. You have about seventeen pages of notes. Well, yes, I always do. Um, well, I'll jump into what you just said, which is sort of James Cameron. Like, it, it feels big because he might be the best big epic filmmaker of grand storytelling where he he treats like the movie screen like a giant canvas so he tells these big grand like epic stories and yet they're they never seem to collapse on themselves there's there's big and epic but I'm, I'm pulled through every second of it it never feels like it's so big i can't get a handle on what's going on he's like michael bay but good that's a yeah, <laughs> yeah seriously yeah. but like a, an artistic i mean mm-hmm. michael bay is artistic but like what if you what if you he took the Michael Bay sensibility of go big with literally every single shot and infused it with like a real artistic sensibility. Listen, he's an he's an Oscar-winning director. Michael Bay's never sniffed that in his life, you know. And that's something you forget when somebody makes movies that make as much money as James Cameron. Mm-hmm. I think he still has issues. Like, I think he has issues with characters, but I think his movies always look fucking great. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like, he just tells stories so well. Like he's he's a like I I, I feel like. A story that's about a ro- like two robots that go back in time that should be like he tells he do, he does B movies. It's a great like a point. B movie. It's a great point. Done on a giant canvas and it never feels like I'm watching a little B movie. That, and you can follow the action very easily. Yeah, yeah. You never get lost. Like when I saw Transformers, which was a Michael Bay movie, it was like I'm just looking at all this close up of metal and I couldn't keep track. And of it who cuts was so quick him. and all that. It's amazing. And I'm actually like jumping. Yeah. Like at every action scene, I was totally enthralled. I think, um, you know, what you were just saying about uh, the B-movie thing, that really resonated with me because while I was watching it, I remember thinking, God, I've seen so many shitty rip-offs of, like, the lone sort of, like, you know, whatever uh, protagonist and, like, the Arnold character. Like, I was just like, this is, like, almost like... Um uh, like an excellent version of every shitty version of movie I've seen. And I'm like, were they copying this? Or had he just watched all these B-movies through the late 70s, through the 80s, and just perfected the genre? I don't think he, well, he worked on like, he, Well, I know, yeah. He worked with, with, of... with, with Roger Corman, right? And so he like he kind of went through that film school of making... B- so it's like he's making... So it's so weird that he became this filmmaker where... So he'll, he'll do like... The, the fat like a factory like an empty factory because that's the cheapest possible set that you can do in a B movie and you kind of make all your action be spaced out so all the money is spaced out throughout the movie but with the biggest budget of all time so it's such a weird kind of putting two styles together of small of small filmmaker and huge filmmaker it's like I've never seen anything like it before at the end when T one thousand separates the scene you were saying yeah. uh, scared pops probably which <laughs> didn't actually. Uh, they copied. I don't that even think I got that far when I, I think I was just out. I think by that as point, a kid? that's why as a kid I don't even remember that because I'm like. But you remember it now, right? Oh yeah, of course. Yeah, Did, yeah. That that was a ripoff off thing, right? I think the there thing. were a lot of. I, I I wrote that down of how this movie really reminded me of the thing. Okay, yeah. Oh yeah, big time. Because when it separated like that and the head was on one side, I, it's I, why yeah. it's and T1000 is just such a cool monster in that sense of like he looks like a person. But he's like his head isn't a head. Like when you punch his head, that's such a cool moment where the head just turns into a hand. Because that's not a head. That's not a hand. He's just like this thing, just like the thing, right? That's true. It's terrifying. I was also thinking that it was pretty fortuitous, just for narrative reasons, that he happened to come back in time, like near a cop. So his outfit was so cool. Like, what if it was a bum he emulated off the top? Like it was like it's like like in the first one. That's they, exactly what happens in the first one. Yeah. So it's like, are they? Do they have targeted time travel? Did he want to meet a cop in that moment? In well, time? I think he could have just he would have started in bum mode, and then went to find a cop. 
And then and he realized then the, the cop, cop was like the cop, best way law to law enforcement that like he has like parameters. What I must do, like even like like uh, Arnold explains, the next thing he's going to do is go and replace your right. mom. The next thing he's going to do is this, and he mm-hmm. kind of he has. These so he would have found parameters. a cop eventually. He would have, and I think James Cameron's like, hey, this is a movie. Get the most interesting thing first. I'm with you. What I love because because. Uh, the, I guess I can talk about because I'm the only one who's seen the first one. The, the differences between the first and second one, and and how it is, what you said. How is it the most famous second? Even if it's Silence of the Lambs, or whatever. It is crazy how it's a movie that is actually a sequel. Like when I'll be back and come with me if you want to live. They're all allusions to the first one. The very idea is like I got to imagine the idea is supposed to be that James Cameron wants to fuck with people that. Arnold Schwarzenegger was he was like a very terrifying villain of that first movie sure. and you must if I've if you haven't seen either of them and I showed a person who doesn't know anything about either movie and you watch both movies back to back you would assume until the little corridor that uh, uh, where they're chasing uh, Ed Furlong around that Arnold Schwarzenegger is probably the bad guy and that is how the movie is structured so it's kind of funny that that you cannot see the first one, but totally, you never miss a beat. You have How assuming, is I'll be back in relation to the first? In the first one, and that's where it's, it's way more famous in the first one. That's because mm-hmm. it's him coming into a, a police station and he knows that Sarah Connor is, is back there somewhere. Um, and so he looks around and, the, and he goes, to, and, and so he looks around, he kind of looks at the structure and he looks at this officer and goes, I'll be back and walks out. And then he drives his car through the police station so he can like enter into the back through this giant hole he just made. I was watching a thing with James Cameron, and he was saying that originally the line was, I will be back. And then Arnold wanted to make it a uh, contraction. Yeah. Huh. yeah. What do you think of Arnold in this movie? Fucking fantastic. Yeah, he's Amazing, wicked. Right? Like, I, I actually he's have hilarious. in my notes that he's probably at the apex of his sexiness. Like, in that, in that, in that first scene... Twins. Where, you think Twins. Oh yeah, I don't like maybe when he's yeah maybe. Sexy? I, uh, does Arnold Schwarzenegger sexy? He's I think he he's, is in Twins. I think. <laughs> <laughs> well, standing next to Danny DeVito, it's hard not to look like it's come a good on. move. Yeah, standing next to Robert Patrick is a little harder. Uh, and yeah, like when he's in that opening scene at the bar when he's you know nude and he's you just like his body's pristine, but it's like his face is perfect. Like he's the perfect age. Like he doesn't look too young and weird. He hasn't aged. I agree out with yet. that. I think he, right. I was thinking about that. I was like, he's the perfect age to be a Terminator. Because he's not so young and boyishly handsome. Yep. He's like a man age, and he's a beast. Yeah, like he's probably, I don't know, I didn't look at him. Maybe he's like 38? Something I think like that. he's 35. That was my guess. I, yeah. said, I, was, I said out loud, I'm like, I think he's my age. Like, it's weird that now I'm watching it. Like, he's probably my age, where when I'm a kid, 35. 35. Yeah. When I'm a I kid, thought. I see him as like a man. Mm-hmm. And I'm not a man. So what was he? <laughs> I will look this up because we like to give our, our listeners, uh, we'll keep continue talking, I'll look it up. But I like to give our, our viewers accurate information. Sure. But I thought he looked. Uh, Fucking amazing. And I think it's really hard. We've talked about this in other films to like embody sort of like the stoicism of this like machine. And obviously the heart of this movie is the machine sort of evolving his relationship with the Edward Furlong character. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think that's kind of like Arnold. Whatever Arnold gets paid, you know, they're like, oh, it's the muscles or, you know, it's the funny accent. I think Arnold's like secret weapon is his humanity. Like it's like you can't help but like Arnold Schwarzenegger yeah. when you watch him. That you can't teach that. Like I just watched Agreed. Aquaman with Jason Moment. Jason Moment's fine. He's fine. Do your uh, impression. Oh, uh, <laughs> he, he fucking boards the stupid ship and he's like, uh, what, what was the line? 
all aboard. Yeah, <laughs> like, that was it. You did it. Good. <laughs> yeah, it was like a permission to come aboard. But he like he <laughs> yeah. says it. It's just like it just feels. I'm like I don't know how to to, to tell the difference between what makes it's like the rock now. Well, it's like well, it's like Chris Pratt is super charismatic. The right. Rock's pretty charismatic. Just a moment. Again, these are all charismatic guys. But there's just something different about when Arnold Schwarzenegger says, "I'll be back." Stay here. I'll be back. It's just 10 times better and likable than one. Just Jason Momoa says permission to come aboard. And you can't define usually the difference. It's just one's better. Is well, it strange at all that he has an Austrian accent? I wrote that down. And he's kind of talking like a robot. <laughs> but but Robert Patrick isn't? Robert Patrick's just like a guy? I know in the third movie, they actually ex- there's a deleted scene where they actually explain why he has an Austrian accent. I don't even have to go I'd into it. I'd love to hear it's, it. Well, it's... Uh, uh, there's a a corporal. Arnold Schwarzenegger plays this like corporal who talks like a with a Texas accent. It has and so, and and there's this like scientist and this group of and this group of people who are presenting him with the T800 units and and and, it, and they as an homage to this corporal, we made them all look like you. And then uh, they go, okay, but uh, we got to make it sound like menacing. Oh, what, what's it going to talk? And then the scientist. This weird looking scientist says for it, and then in Arnold's voice goes, I have some ideas. Like in his uh, like ah, I have some a ideas. Bit of reverse engineering going on there. But I mean, right. that's what that, I think that's an example of like who the fuck cares? Like, why did we the need like to address it. in, in it's Star fine. Wars? But he still talks robotic, why which is do, interesting. Why does your G I wrote down because I, I had the same thought, and then I'm like, Well, how come my GPS has a British woman? It has to have some sort of Oh, I know that's I she fine. Was the cheapest. <laughs> <laughs> no atrophies. <laughs> I'm uh, just thinking, why does Robert Patrick get to have a normal uh, inflection. Does he start because because he can look like anyone? Does does T one thousand look like that, or does he just look like a metal blob? Why does he look like anything to start with? Does Robert Patrick have more than a page of dialogue the whole movie? Uh, geez, that's a good question. Like, no, I, I can think of maybe four times he talked in the whole movie. Well, I guess the he answer is he's as... a different he's a different brand of robot, hundred percent, and he's liquid, so he can become vocal cords. So that makes sense. Yeah. Why not send? It out. Why not send him back? I know it's the answer is because it's a it's for us. We're watching this movie, but like, why not send him back just as like a cube, and then he just goes around until he finds a person to impersonate. Why does he have a baseline look to go back to? It's a good question, but I think it's because he needs to. There has something there. Yeah. Yeah. They they're like you're gonna look like this, this. guy. Well, yeah. and there's all those things too where it's like, if you get super creative, you go, well, why doesn't he turn himself into like a a paperclip? Or, or or like a little dot and go into somebody's water and then they drink the water and then he because expands. he probably has to be a certain size. It does. He, does he, he can size, only yeah. emulate things that are his. And size. I love the expo. Like there's a lot of like, like info dumps in this movie that I don't mind that I would normally mind in other movies. Like where he does the info dump, he's like he can't be uh, uh, explosives or guns because they have chemicals and things. He can be knives. He can be hammers. He can be whatever. Where does it say that? Arnold explains that to to like to to the to oh the kid. I see okay. so in my notes um, I specifically have you know the whole thing about like exposition all that I'm like uh, I'm like everyone in this movie oh sorry no that's a different note um, doesn't matter I remember oh so I'm like there's a lot of exposition in this movie but it feels natural because we are Edward Furlong and Sarah Connor yeah. so it's like when they're asking him questions because it's such an extraordinary situation and Arnold explains mm-hmm. the situation it actually makes sense because they're going like what the fuck is going on mm-hmm. here and then he's like x y and z so as the, the the viewer you're going like yeah I would ask those questions too mm-hmm. so it serves two purposes for the most part I agree with one exception, which I'll bring up later. Well, do, do we bring it up in the negative? Bring no, it up just, in the negative. Wait, wait, yeah. wait for it. Um, but yeah, I, I just think in terms of the rules, the rules and how T one thousand 
transforms the rules of the time travel. Like for, for I love time travel movies. They I, they always get me. I always <laughs> like because it's a time travel movie. It puts it a little up for me. They're tough. They are tough, and they're very tough. And so when I see a movie that has. 98% there are always going to be little plot holes but the rules the rules are not just like tight in this movie but they actually help the movie of course because, and they're not integral to every it's like because because there are rules to the way that the T1000 can transform you now put yourself like he he has to the way he latches onto the car, the way he opens up the elevator, you start to use those rules as part of your storytelling. And Another it's great. great fucking scene is the elevator scene. Fantastic. How great is oh that? Oh my God. You know, with like just the, the ingenuity of like, one, he opens the door. That's terrifying. Oh, he can do that with his arms. Then he, the jump down to the top and then just the knives come. Mm-hmm. Like those set pieces alone, like... That's a scene that people probably don't even talk about when they talk Big about time. T2. And that would be the most memorable scene. I felt any like other I was in the elevator. Yeah. I was like, yeah. It well, was the, amazing. It, and it's and it's this idea, and it's just like why the first one works so well. And it's the same, this idea of a monster that's just uh, this unrelenting thing that no matter, that it doesn't hesitate. and never, Like, it's just so scary to me. Like, he's going after them because there's no, like... He, and when you shoot he him, care about it himself. only slows him down for a split second. Yeah, it's not like he's some zombie where you shoot yeah. him and you got some time. Well, the one of my favorite parts is where they freeze him and destroy him with hasta la vista, baby, yeah. and blow him up. And and it, it's a great storytelling thing because it really makes you feel like that's the end. They yeah. got him, and it only yeah. slows him down by like. 30 seconds. This thing that should, that you, well, I mean, it makes me be like, how the hell are they going to beat this thing? Because of the lava or whatever that shit was, the, the molten metal, like yeah. melted heated, him. it melted yeah. him. But what I loved about that scene is I go, ah, finally a limitation on like an indestructible being. So one way to beat it would be to like freeze it uh, break into a million pieces and then ship it to Antarctica or something, you right. know? Mm-hmm. And I'm like, there is a way I like when, it, like this is why Superman is boring as fuck. You know what I mean? It's just like, mm-hmm. If the only way to, I mean, that's why you invent kryptonite, but it's just like when things are un- indestructible, mm-hmm. it becomes, that's why I get so bored watching a lot of those Marvel movies. And I know you love them, Johnny, but it's like, I just, I start to roll my eyes when I'm like, what are the stakes? At least they showed me a limitation. I was right. like, I can see a way to beat it if you were clever enough, you know? Yeah. And then he came back together because of the environment, the circumstances. It is, and you're, this is a superhero movie. Like it is. It totally. very much is like, like one hero versus another, like... A, sim- a mirror image that's overpowered, but through because he's a better Terminator, he didn't beat him through power. He beat him through ingenuity. Yeah, that is. Yeah, it is a superhero movie. I didn't even think about that. I did find it odd though about how he ended up in the lava then, and then that somehow destroyed him because I guess he didn't touch it before. But the heat just kind of melted. The, yeah, the, I guess the idea yeah. is is like the thing. I guess like his his whatever whatever drives wherever the heart the beating heart of this monster is. It's on some like molecule level it has within. an extreme that and if can't you can go just to. and if you yeah. eliminate all of it then it's all gone there is, there must be some cpu somewhere in there driving mm-hmm. something i just like that i think that there was a conversation that took place about everything we're talking well, I think about it's so hot sure. it can actually melt metal and maybe evaporate it or yeah. something he's still metal like yeah. he's, yep. he's he's metal but like how many movies you see where it's like they didn't think about this shit. Yep. They're mm-hmm. just like we need a menacing thing that's going to do this and then they don't think too and much about it. And it goes all yeah. the way back around to we were talking about the beginning that James Cameron's like crazy attention to detail. Like the reason that we're so mad that he's spending all this time on Avatar. The reason I was so mad that after Titanic he spent like 10 years getting in subs and going down because he gets maniacal about these things. Like he cares in a way that a normal filmmaker doesn't and it turns it turns something that should just be like a fun summer blockbuster into like a real heady, interesting movie. Yep. Um, a little update for our listeners. Uh, we did get a confirmation on Arnold's age. Has to be 35. 
Arnold Schwarzenegger was born in 1947. Oh, we're going to have to do math now? I'm not a math guy. So in 1991, so that's all 47, all 57. Well, well let's take it back and say that he filmed in the 90. 1990. Yeah, yeah. 1990. Because you said 91. Sorry, my bad. Came out in 91. So he shot in 1990. So that's all of 47, all of 57, all of 67, all of 77. 43? He was 43 years old. Get out. That's Whoa. bull. This must have taken seven years to film. <laughs> <laughs> so is he like, to you, the sexiest man in his 40s you've ever seen? I found him incredibly wow, I striking. I, I, he was geez. striking. I was like... I thought he was in his 30s. Like, like for he sure. looks great. Damn, 43. Oof. Is he better in this or is he better in True Lies? Because he really gets to stretch in True Lies. Like I mean, I, I think just rewatched True I Lies for this helped, as well. I think he's, he's helped. He's helped by how limited he is. He doesn't yeah. have a ton of dialogue. I wrote, and, the thing that I wrote because was that it's it's ironic that a man accused of being kind of robotic in roles plays a robot, and that's like the most human role he's ever played. It's a good way to put it. That, he's amazing in Twins too, though. <laughs> well, he's he <laughs> <won't> drop <laughs> Twins. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing looking. He is his. playing off. Uh, it's almost like a commentary is, on him. Like, like, like uh, it's almost like a joke. Like, oh, Arnold Schwarzenegger is playing a robot. How hilarious yeah. is that? And then slowly but surely, he like, like you said, we like him so much that he keeps finding more and more humanity through through this kid and through this like father role, which is another very. It's a known thing about this movie that it's sort of about parents and fatherhood and, and the sort of surrogate father sort of thing. Well, like, fuck. I mean, the hug at the end is like Edward Furlong's losing his only father figure that he's ever had. And she says it in the... And, and she says it. She's like... Of all the would-be fathers who came and went over the years, this thing, this machine was the only one who measured up. Just because he is there. Did you Simply think because her, uh, he won't leave him. Did you think her intermittent voiceovers, like her diary journal stuff, was a good that's uh, in storytelling the, device? That's in the second half. Okay, interesting. <laughs> I... I, I I wouldn't put it in the bad. I, I guess it would fall in the it's good. A little clunky. I did. I didn't mind it. I thought I would. Usually, I wouldn't like something like that, but I thought it helped the story, especially. Yeah, I liked it. Yeah, and especially in the sense that, like Shane says, you don't have to see part one. You kind of. It's like you need to. Everything you'd ever need to know is self-contained in that movie, and it's like maybe a bonus to your point where it's like, oh, that's from one, or I'll be back as a callback, whatever. It's like we didn't need any of that, you know, because they mm -hmm. gave us everything we needed, and maybe those three sort of like pieces where she or and four so she, i no. thought it was clunky but i will say that her very last line as they're like driving down the road was my favorite line of the movie but the humanity goes, because if a machine can learn the value of human life oh, yeah. maybe we can yeah too. yeah yeah because it's great because it's it's really it really kind of sums up that this isn't that even though it is like a b movie of robots chasing each other it really is james cameron sort of recycling commercial yeah. <laughs> no, it's him looking at like the value of human life and the mm -hmm. idea of like it's it's almost taking the the if you could go back in time and kill Hitler, would you sort of thing? And it's the philosophy question of because if you would, that's what he that's what Hitler was doing. Hitler was thinking if I could just erase all these Jews, uh, even though I'm a bad guy now, future will, the future will thank me. That's why the, that's why he tells them to not kill anyone. Like you can't kill anyone because like just killing one person sends you down this horrible path of not really valuing human life. Well, there was also like kind of a, I mean, I feel like Cameron was trying to kind of slide in his very like humans are animals and we'll destroy ourselves throughout mm -hmm. the film. And there was oh, that yeah. scene at the gas station where you see the two boys with the fake, the toy guns and they're shooting at each other. And uh, Edward Furlong kind of like watches these children just like playing toy guns. And he's like, we're not going to make it, uh, are we? And Arnold, Schwar Arnold Schwarzenegger sort of like very sadly or contemplatively says, it's in your nature to destroy yourselves. And I'm just like, this is an interesting kind of like, it's a breath in the movie too, right? That respite before mm -hmm. we get that crazy last 35 minutes of fucking balls to the wall action. You know, when they go and meet right. the, the the friends of hers with all the guns and all that stuff, and which was 
that's its own thing. It was just like, I was like, oh, that's an interesting scene where they're sort of like playing with this theme that like, obviously we know that in the future we've created this technology that's going to come back to but hurt us. But I think what they're trying to say is we have already created, like we created yep. nukes like decades and decades ago. Well, Why gun, did we create these things? Guns are the first technology we created yeah. that are to destroy one another. Yeah, it is I, in our nature to destroy one another. And that VO was very Apocalypse Now inspired, I think. Uh, was it? Sure. Yeah. Because I, I believe was, it. I saw, I was watching the commentary on something once, and I think they added this last. Mm -hmm. Like they were debating whether to have it in or well, not. Well, they had a different ending. The ending of this movie before was John Connor is now a senator, and Sarah Connor's his mom, and the and judgment day never happened. It was this like super duper mega happy ending. <laughs> and I think that everyone thought that like this is just way too weirdly gleeful for a movie that's sort of like actually more of a introspective downer movie. Yeah. So they just replaced it with driving down a road in a voiceover. Did we have anything else we wanted to hit on that we thought was great? I mean, the ending. Before we get into uh, before we start to hit the other that? things. Yeah, exactly. Uh, well, the special effects, like to oh, not yeah. even God, to not even, even mention talk the Thank you, Shaney boy. <laughs> I'm sure all of our notes are. This movie looks fucking great. It's like great. James Cameron was in the future at that time because yeah. these are so. Who? Where were all the other movies with these effects? Like, <laughs> I feel like the how same, did he have them? I feel like the same way now with 3D movies, like the way he did with Avatar. Like if you like, I saw Avatar. I I think Avatar is a good. Not great movie, but I ended up seeing it three times in theaters because the 3D was so. It's yeah. it's a part of the movie. Just I like agree. The CGI is a part. It's it's an integral part of that movie. It's not just there because we can have we have it. Avatar was the first time in a 3D movie I ever when there at one point like the forest is burning. I actually moved back in my seat because the ambers of the fire I mm -hmm. thought were falling on me. Mm. That never happened to me in a movie before. And I remember turning to my brother and I was like. This 3D is amazing. Like Titanic, so like look what he did in Titanic, right? Like, like it's it's felt like the the difference between the kind of effects that were happening. At well, shit. Like when, when did Independence Day come out? Ninety four. That dog jumping out of, into oh the God. fucking the into that, in in the tunnel <laughs> is the stupidest looking thing I've ever Can't seen. You see How like about the outline of you see the outline of the dog? Star Wars, yeah, where they could have had like, like ninety nine endless budget anything George Lucas wanted, and yeah. this T two absolutely holds up. Way more than than Phantom Menace blows him out of the water. Well, yeah. you know, it kind of comes back to like not only you get what you pay for, but it's like if somebody truly is a master and does the work and cares so much about the technology, like he was probably a fucking freak that eat, slept, and like you know breathed how they were going to make this movie yeah. for yes. like five years of his life. And then when you execute it, you go, oh, that's the difference between hiring like the best like uh, architect to build your home and then just somebody that's an architect. Yeah. And and he's someone who respects that CGI is not. Like the answer, like there are so many practical yeah, effects in this. Movie. I thought that like as well. Like when, like when Arnold is getting like shot at and destroyed and things like you, it's it's a, like a it's a Stan Winston puppet that's being shot at, and it's well when like he go, when he when he takes out all the cops without killing any, I, I might add, because mm -hmm. obviously he was promised to Edward Furlong, and he's blowing up all the cars and he's shooting at the floor and all that. I was like, this scene alone would be the the master. This would be the the climax of any other movie, and it's all practical, right? Yep. He's blowing up cars, Absolutely. he's flipping There's them only on a wires. Few CGI shots in the movie, and they're all like when he like goes through the bars, when he like the the floor coming up, and it's all like done in a very like wow impressive. That I still even now I'm impressed by it, by for sure. The CGI of, holds up a lot of good car chases too. Like again, he kind of just threw everything. In I there. said that out loud. Where I'm like, like you, you, you see how many shitty car chases there are, and there's so these car chases are so good you don't even think. Well, they're, they're car scary chases. car chases. Yeah. like when T1000's in that truck. Yeah, and the truck goes off the bridge. Yes, that's it's scene. insane. That's I nuts. was like, holy nuts. shit! Things I'd forgotten too. Mm -hmm. Where I'm just like, this movie 
Because you everything. think he outran him. It's like, well, the truck can't get through here. And then just because he's this, un, this unrelenting monster. He's such a good movie monster. And then like the car chase at the end where they're chasing down the highway. And there's like this one really thrilling shot where Arnold jumps from their pickup truck onto their shot and then pulls out the gun and just like unloads. Oh my God, that's so that crazy. nuts, yes. right? There's fun, like a machine gun just unloads it right through the windshield. Mm -hmm. And it just, it makes you feel cool. Like God, Arnold's like, on oh our side God. and he's so good in that <laughs> it's scene. nuts. And uh, of course, after the elevator scene, when he comes out and he does the oh. scene from The Simpsons where he's chasing with... <laughs> <laughs> Maybe The Simpsons copied the movie. I don't know. But where uh, Flanders we're is chasing over. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but that's insane where the praying mantis hands are like, yeah. oh my God. It's nuts. There might be like... And I'm not even like I haven't I haven't have a number count or anything like that, but there might be seven iconic scenes in this movie alone. Mm -hmm. yeah. Like I bet you off the top of our head, we could hit we could hit like three or four that are like pop culture like zeitgeist. Like they just live in pop culture. Even just him put, doing the thumbs up when he's going down in, into the lava, just that is is in the zeitgeist, Which right? Is hilarious. Oh my like, god! Like it's such a funny way to end it without being completely ridiculous, but it's still like, that's weird and funny. And since everything we saw was just the coolest shit in the world, it's like, I'll, ex I'll accept a thumbs up after that. You know why I accepted it? Because I was like, this is ridiculous. Yeah. But I go, I guess we've spent so much of this movie with Edward Furlong trying to teach him like, 13 year old slang and culture mm -hmm. you know it's like no man you say this and you say that and if someone comes off to you with an attitude you say eat me and if you want to shine them on it's hasta la vista baby hasta la vista baby in some way would arnold have picked up yeah. like the thumbs like up you or, gotta do yeah like, exactly yeah. so like so that last moment is like sort of like the last of what he's showing taught. you don't worry everything's okay or just like that would be cool to a robot because he probably saw a 12-year-old yeah. do it at the no gas problem, station. No. Yeah. Exactly. So but I was like, I'll buy that. I wonder, they had to have done like 30 of those takes <laughs> where they're like middle finger, <laughs> like thumbs up. Peace. Like cowabunga symbol. Like, Surf's They up. had to have though. Seriously, oh, right? Man. The cowabunga yeah. symbol. <laughs> That's <laughs> equally as silly yeah. as a thumbs up. In, in, yeah, in this. That would have been amazing <laughs> if he's doing like the surf's <laughs> up like on the way down. I love that ending. I thought that ending was perfectly and, and, and it, and it, and it was one of those, like, I mean, I'm, I've now seen this movie so many times, it's hard to know if I was actually surprised by it. But it's one of those, like... It's no, it's a, surprising. I think it'd be surprising. Surpri and I think the best... A lesser movie would have kept Arnold yes. alive after putting that much work the into him and The best part of, of this movie, and a lot of his movies, to keep going back to how great James Cameron's storytelling is, is that it's, like, surprising, and yet it feels, like, inevitable. It feels like, like oh, now that it's happened, you're like, oh, of course that had, of course he had to destroy himself because if he didn't destroy, like it didn't. But he can't destroy himself. And is that a cop? Well, she, no, he has to stand on the thing and she has to press the button because Terminators can't self-terminate. Yeah, but why? They're Christians. <laughs> <laughs> Have you heard the good news? <laughs> Suicide is forbidden. <laughs> don't let me go to hell. Don't let me go to hell. He always has a Bible. Don't let me go to robot hell. I can't go to hell. I'll be back. I forgot. <laughs> My Bible. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways. Oh, man. Yeah, that was the only... I was like, that's a little fishy. Clearly, it's just because... It'd be a lot more convenient if Arnold just jumped into the lava, but he has to be slowly lowered in so he can right. do the awesome thumbs up. Yeah, and I loved his little handshake with Sarah. Con like, the, like there's this understanding. It's almost like that handshake completes the full arc storyline from the first movie over to here. Mm -hmm. I haven't talked about her yet because I want to talk when it gets into. I don't know if she's on your bad list, but she's. I think she was the best person, Linda Hamilton, in this movie. No way. 
It'd be, oh, <laughs> it'd be funny if as he was being lowered, like there was a mechanical issue and the chain actually just stopped. <laughs> 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 they just have to sit there and stare uh, at each other from the dock. Jump what's in. What's happening? I cannot. It's I not in my program. He'll overheat eventually. <laughs> <laughs> He's too close. Just Start throwing him. rocks yeah. at him. Stop looking at him. <laughs> Let go of the chain. <laughs> Yeah, okay, so uh, I guess we will now get to the, uh, now that we are in case of keeping on the pedestal, uh, what was the best scene for everybody? And then we'll get to best performance. Best scene? Oh my God. A lot of them. So many good scenes. Yeah, so many. I, lo- I, I loved breaking her out of the, of the insane asylum. Yeah. Speaking of the insane asylum, I thought that the uh, the guy that ran it, the psychologist, whatever yeah. he was, he, he was, was great. great. He was so good. Great casting. I yeah. loved how... Uh, he was in the first one, too. Ah. Like this is a comedic scene, but still, I was like, this is when I was like, I this this is awesome. When uh, Edward's like, you can't kill anybody, and then uh, he goes to shoot the guy in the in the head. No, he goes to shoot the guy in the head. Then later he goes, you can't kill anyone. And then this old security guard walks out, and Arnold just starts firing at him, <laughs> and in the knees. He but it was so in- unexpected yeah. because you're thinking he's gonna find craftier ways not to kill people. Yeah, but he's just maiming them horribly Still for life, ruining their lives. Like a kneecap's the most painful place in your body you he can be shot. Totally, absolutely destroys this guy's life. For Did sure. you not laugh at that scene though? Oh, when I was and, and when he when he goes uh, the the scene when uh, he goes to shoot the black guy in the head, right? Mm-hmm. And then he goes, "Jesus, you're gonna kill that guy." Of course, I'm a Terminator. I'm a Terminator. Yeah, that, that is a really, That's really funny. he's funny in this movie. He oh is. my god, he hits some really. Yeah, funny the writing lines. works, man. Yeah. Um, well, that that scene though, when I mean, there's a, definitely shades of uh, like Iron Giant here, you know, like or oh, my, yeah. you know, like basically, oh, I've got this. It's kind of wish fulfillment for a 14 year old. It's like, oh, I have like this amazing destroying machine that, like, in a lesser movie, again, he would have been bullied at school. I he would have brought Arnold Schwarzenegger. Like, yeah, you know? but instantly Edward's like, I have to be careful because he'll fucking kill people. Great scene. So, mm-hmm. so in that scene, so the scene we're talking about right now is there's these two guys. So he's trying to get away from Arnold or whatever because he wants to save his mom, and Arnold's holding him. So the kid's going, let go, let go. So these two, like, patron saints, like, these, like, good Samaritans yep. are like, you know what? Let's go help this kid. And, and the then, one guy's built like Arnold. And the one <laughs> yeah, guy's like a... They're both supposed yeah. to be muscle dudes, yeah. right? Edward Furlong's character is such a little... Moi? Dick. <laughs> like, he flipped... It's like, these guys... If you were being molested, these guys would have been your only hope, and you've yeah. already flipped on them. I guess, ultimately, you need it to show the ignorance and youth of Edward Furlong, and then him to realize his power now, and then how to, I guess, control it. But I was like, I fucking hate this kid. You have a loaded gun. But Arnold was willing to pop that guy oh, in the absolutely. head at close range. Yeah. Which is term- hilarious. <laughs> oh, and then when he shoots the... Uh, the old security guard he goes i thought you weren't gonna kill anybody and then arnold's like he'll live well yeah. it's a great it's, it's actually funny. a great thing to say like he is the hero of the movie but he's a hero without any actual morals at all well, he he's, to be taught he's just doing what he's told he's yeah. literally just a weapon being yeah. directed at things and if john Con- and if john connor told him kill literally everyone indiscriminately no matter what he'd be like yep cool mm-hmm. he would absolutely do that too with great power comes great responsibility. Imagine if this he ended up in like, man. yeah, man. If he ended up in like the hands of some total like sociopathic shithead kid, oh yeah, wouldn't have been good. Well, I like the role reversal too because uh, when uh, John Connor's like, you can't kill people. He's like, why? It's like because you can't. Why? <laughs> and that's how kids are always. Exactly. Right? True. So that's good. Like, uh, so uh, that was your best scene, Shaney. The knees being taken out. The combination of those two scenes we're discussing, I thought they're mm-hmm. they're like connected. So yeah, I, yeah. I think that was this part when I'm like, oh, this is really, really. It's not just an action film; it's also funny and it's different. And like like it's yeah. unique. It actually like the, uh, you haven't seen an, an action movie or any movie that has a character 
or a dynamic like this ever. And know, it was right? such a badass way to make sense. It wasn't yep. watered down at all. It's like he's and it maiming explained, people. And as I was saying before, it helped it, it helped, uh, helped explain the rules mm-hmm. that this Terminator must do everything that John Connor says. John Connor now says you can't kill. And it sets up that minigun scene way earlier because he, now how do I dispatch all of these police officers with a giant minigun and literally not kill one of them? Yeah. Um, you prison break for you was your best scene. Yeah, it was just so it, it was it was cool. It, 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 again, because I liked the first one so much, it's the it's a real direct uh, 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 allusion to the first movie where she sees this the first time she has seen him since the first movie and the look of horror on her face and 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 how come with me if you want to live. It was great. It was just really well and holding the syringe in that guy's neck was so fucked up. Like, I love to, to get uh, out of there. I also love like sequels for like movies where extraordinary things happen. It's always like they're crazy. They did that in Ghostbusters too. Like it's like That's it's true. like it's like oh like what about everything we saw? Light light and mirrors, smoke and mirrors. It was a light show. Well, isn't it? You've talked about Shane. You've talked about this in other things where it's like shouldn't shouldn't you think it's because if the reality is a robot was sent back in time to kill you, that's impossible so you must be crazy yeah um my favorite scene i would have there's so many iconic ones but it is definitely um the wolfie scene the one with the uh what you're talking about that scared you the most just fuck me up so it's amazing that is a great scene so we've seen him be able to emulate people earlier in the film but you kind of forget by that point so that when he calls home to talk to the the parents like, you'd have to be a movie savant to be like, oh, I know what's going on here. It unfolds so well where you kind of go, wait, something's kind of wrong here. And then Arnold's like, what's the dog's name? And then he does the Edward Furlong voice. And you're just like, the scene's unfolding and it's like, it's disturbing. It's unsettling. You're seeing the superpowers of the two sort of like uh, protagonists, the antagonist. And then obviously it culminates with like the sort of the, the deadbeat dad mm-hmm. getting the thing through the milk, you know? Mm-hmm. And it's like, what's the dog's name? Oh, but it's, it's cool in that scene too because you learn that Arnold can also emulate people, yes. not physically, but their voice, totally. which is perfect for the phone. Which so the two the robots f- are speaking on the which phone. Which he to does each other. do in the first movie. So again, it is still a callback to. All right, we get it. You saw the first I'm movie. I'm saying that there are. I already hate the first movie. I'm just trying to say that it's that that it is interesting how they've n- taken this piece of information that. In theory. In theory. Yeah. You're supposed to know and build and build up on it. Yeah. That's my favorite scene. It is a good scene. Yeah, and he has that line. One. I wrote down the line where he goes, your foster parents are dead. I which know. Is so What cold. an ending. What a blunt. Oh, man. It's so cold-blooded. Also, Edward Furlong gets a bit of humanity there where he's like, listen, they're dicks, but I have to warn them or whatever. Mm-hmm. I have to make sure they're okay. Yeah. Or, yeah. You know. uh, yeah. Great scene. Best performance, boys. Linda Hamilton. You cannot risk yourself even for me. Do you understand? You're too important. Do you understand? I, I guess you guys don't agree with me. I thought no. she was. No, come on, Arnold. I thought she was great. I thought she was. <clears throat> no, but uh, not so the best. Good. No, but I just thought she was great. I thought yeah, she yeah. Was... I, I think she's really good. She's ripped in it. She's perfectly cast. <laughs> that's why she's good. Well, that's amazing for her to do. I've never seen a woman that ripped in my she life. She pulls the whole. I feel like he like he gets to do all the fun stuff, and she has to do a lot of the narrative heavy lifting of really pulling you through. Like what is really happening and what the stakes are and and the judgment day and stuff like and 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 she has I feel like the hardest thing and she does it flawlessly. I She's can't think amazing. of another actor who could have been Terminator. And no. me to enjoy it. Like but I where 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 is if like say Sigourney Weaver got super ripped, kind of like uh, Alien, like aliens, and yeah. was in this role, it'd probably be just Maybe, about as good. Yeah. But all I know is that she 
crushed it. Like she crushed it to me. I like agree she, with you. I every, agree and, and, and her whole, the, the, the subplot of going and hunting down uh, the Cyberdyne guy and killing him and that whole. Yeah, I agree. It's, it's good. But Arnold is like a force of nature in this. It's, it's yeah. insane. Like this everybody, he, he's everybody in this movie is great. It's a real ensemble. Like honestly, it's like to have, a, I have no Arnold complaints. A disparate group of people like Robert Patrick, Trey, Arnold Schwarzenegger is great, Lynn Hamilton is great, Edward Furlong is great, and that's not that's not easy to do to be like a fourteen year old that's kind of like petulant and disaffected, but then also sort of like have this humanity and get across that oh maybe he will learn enough to be the leader of a resistance or something like that. But I think Shane's uh, bar and sort of criteria is great because I could see the Edward Furlong character being played by Joaquin Phoenix or Leo mm-hmm. DiCaprio. I could see Robert Patrick's character being played by like a good looking stoic person. Mm-hmm. I don't know who who could do the arnold role yeah i, I think it's arnold's that. movie in that sense well, especially because they built it like from the ground up knowing it's him but totally. which is why it works so well for him right and hey. arnold has been terrible in movies it's not like i'm just like i love yeah. arnold and everything oh yeah this is using him to the best of his abilities i agree i just felt like she she, she just she got you think me. she's better than arnold though yeah okay but not to say that that speaks to how good she is because yeah. I thought Arnold was incredible. It's 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 hard too because you know she's intense and she's kind of playing a lot of spectrum. He's more subtle, you know. He kind of he has better writing in some ways for the comedic human humanizing things. Mm-hmm. She's kind of like operating. She's humming at a certain frequency throughout the whole film that might be harder to pull off throughout a whole. She, movie. She's playing this like completely unique character of this this especially i mean i know you guys hate me bringing up the first one but the the transformation from the first one to the second one is because in the first one she's just like a classic mom she's like a not even a mom she hasn't even got knocked up by the guy that gets sent back to protect the baby she's like this creating a paradox because there would be no baby if no one had been sent back. i'll talk about that but i mean i don't know i mean i don't know if it really matters (laughs) on this pod um Um, but uh but but it's a huge jarring difference between she's this nice she works at a diner. She's and just she's an this 80s, nice, chick. 80s yeah. chick, whatever. And then, and then this, this, this thing transforms her into like a maniac. And then she plays this like mama bear type woman who wants to protect her son so much that she like pushes him away and, and wrecks him and wrecks her relationship with him. And it's very, I've just never seen anything like it before. Do you think her character is more interested in protecting John Connor because it's her son and she's a mama bear or because she believes in the cause in the future? Like, that second one. Yeah, I really yeah. think that she knows that, like she's so scared. That supersedes, like, yeah, it's yeah, interesting. She loves humanity. <laughs> she needs to. She almost like needs to separate herself from her love of her son because she's. That's why she's like, you. Why did you come and get me? You're so stupid. I, not, nothing is more important than you just surviving. Well, that's how we justify some of the terrible things that she did. Like, and maybe this is a good way to transition to some of uh, some of the bad stuff that we felt was in the film. But wait, wait. One, I want to hear who your favorite is in the film. Oh, I I, I agree with you, Arnold. I, I can't oh. see anyone playing. I can't. I can see other actors in the other roles. I don't know who could have done Arnold in the movie. That's still, a, that is a good resonated point. at that, that, that level. That's a very good argument in that. But I'm closer to Johnny on saying like she made it close. No, I'm not. I'm not saying yeah. she's bad by any means. But did you know she has an identical twin sister? Yeah, she played some and, of the parts. There's a scene when uh, she's looking in the mirror, and her twin is mirroring because the camera kept getting in the. Here's the background. thing: they're not the only twins in the film. The well, security Bef- guard is twins. Ah, with the that's coffee how he cup. got cast. Yeah, yeah, and and when T1000 is playing her, and then she comes up behind, she yeah. that's also the twin coming up behind the twin. Smart. And yeah. James Cameron was also married to Linda Hamilton while they were making this. I went down like a huge rabbit hole reading about that. Oh, it got messy because he left her so for the, uh, the, the daughter in Titanic. So like, you know, the 80 year old woman. Yeah. You know, the, the blonde granddaughter. Yeah. On the boat. Yeah. James Cameron fell in love with that woman while making Titanic. And left Linda Hamilton. He just keeps oh. like he left Catherine Bigelow for Linda Hamilton. He just keeps like sort of falling uh, in love with these actresses. Jeez. Yeah. 
hey, he becomes obsessed, right? Yeah, man. Techno- exactly. Technology and Well, she uh, women. said, again, I went down that rabbit hole, and she said that she felt like she actually lost him to Titanic, period. Like, he got so obsessed with making that movie, she's like, my husband just went away. <laughs> just cuts to him fucking the boat. <laughs> <laughs> I'm the king of the world! <laughs> so, boys, uh, is this now where we move on to uh, the case against keeping it on the pedestal? Reasons to potentially it knock it off. Mm-hmm. What has aged badly? What was bad even then? And what are its flaws? Okay, a huge flaw. For a movie with such great special effects, how shitty was the, the initial transportation of them coming to the world? Like, with all that <laughs> shitty <laughs> lightning effect and, like, blue squiggly lines. You got to save some money somewhere in the, the budget. Hor- that was horrible. There like, were a few bad special you know effects. You know what it reminded oh, me of? To your point, that was very, like, Star Trek on television, limited budget. How can we show somebody, like, you know what I mean? Coming here from the future, it's like it looks like a little mini storm. Well, I made a film called Teen Wolf Three, like yeah. it's a short film. But when the three comes in, I put like these shitty like static effects. <laughs> yeah, and it was the same effect. And you just blow some newspapers around and put some sound design and yeah. Yeah, you, I you, you don't see T one thousand. You see just the remnants. You hear like a, the, and then you see them like crouch naked. Yeah, yeah. I feel like the T one thousand one. You only see like the the fence burnt up. But yeah, it's it's a cheesy mm-hmm. effect. Which I think it's supposed to be. I think I think he did it on purpose, whether it's good or not. But there's like a few like there's a there's a few times when T one thousand gets shot and the bullet yeah oh they just are already there. They're tinfoil. Yeah, we could recreate that here. Yeah, yeah. And when Arnold walks the the first scene when Arnold's naked walking into the bar, it's kind of funny or whatever. And he walks up to this fifty seven year old (laughs) biker. I need your clothes, your boots, and your motorcycle. forgot to say please if you're the biker you got to think okay this guy's ripped he's like bodybuilder crazy hulk beast <laughs> he's bigger than me i'm he's not going naked. To, he's naked he's obviously in fucking insane i'm not sexy going, as hell i'm not gonna he's hot he's not as hot as twins but he's pretty hot <laughs> and let's see that license because uh Jesus. i'm not gonna put a cigar out on this man's skin yeah. that's the last thing i'm gonna do because i'm gonna get murdered i guess there's there are people who just that doesn't they're supposed to be okay if we're gonna people, get but yeah if we're gonna empathize right. with he's the 57 month. year old biker he's got like 20 of his buddies there and they're probably a gang they're probably like hell's angels and they think that even if it's one guy that's awesomely good at fighting they could probably kill him is in their mind. It's a thing they do try to stab him and shit. It's a thing that comes up in, yeah, in I don't know. In a few movies, like other Arnold movies, The Rock. There's a lot of movies with The Rock where this happens where it's almost like how is not everyone noticing how this is a gigantic man? Like you'd, you'd think you'd think the first they'd be like what like you like no yeah. one comments on this <laughs> hulk of a man that well, has like walked imagine in here. Imagine if he actually transported near like a local gay bar and that's where he walked that in. Happens, <laughs> that's sort of how that happens in Terminator Three. I don't know if it's a gay bar, but it's the same it joke. Like, and he comes out and he puts on. <laughs> they were all straight, and then he walked in. They're like, hello. <laughs> but he like put he does the same move where he puts on the shades, but they're like star shaped. Is shades. he in part three? Yeah. Oh, man. Oh, yeah. I only fuck with T2, man. I don't watch any of the... Oh, me either. Fuck everything else. Yeah. And, and, okay, so you do not put a cigar out on someone that slow. (laughs) You don't go... Like, it's like coming at him. That scene is clearly just to show that he's a robot who cannot be burned by cigars and does not feel pain. Because any person with a cigar coming at them like this does something to react. So I... I just smelled bullshit from a mile away with that constructed scene. Like uh, it didn't show any real thought other than we have to show the audience that he doesn't feel pain and he has this the like studio wanted to cut it. 
That was a, the studio thought them they were going way over budget, and they said that was the scene they wanted to cut. And Arnold was like, "No, we're keeping it." Right. And I'll say, well, because yeah, of course Arnold wants to keep it. To show, yeah. It's the only time he gets sweet, to take off his jazz. shirt in the fucking movie. <laughs> you don't spend that much time in the gym and let them cut the only scene where you don't have your shirt on. Uh, it's funny because uh, to Shane's point, and us talking about how this is like an like a you know the best case scenario of a B movie. That's probably the only part that really feels like a B movie. Mm-hmm. Like it looks great, but it's like, oh, I would see this in a shitty Steven Seagal movie. I would mm-hmm. see this in Roadhouse. I would see. This this in like movies that are way lesser than this. Yeah, movie. the old POV shot where people are like, huh? Yeah, well, like someone yeah. would be like, buddy, get out of here. Yeah. Well, the way that scene ends is all is that's to me the most dated. Like this, that scene ends with bad to the bone starts to play. Yeah. Well, Arnold put in a leather jacket, puts on shades, puts his shotgun in a motorcycle and drives away. Is this the most like '90s cliche that like it dates it big time, like immediately? Like yeah, that that bone, scene like is real. So when we talk about how great the effects are and how that movie, you know, really holds up in a lot of ways, that move, that scene is a tell for sure. That's oh, a good yeah. point. Yeah. But it's time. so iconic. It yeah. is hard to watch it. Like, and you, you do, you go, okay, 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 okay. But then when he's like, I need your boots, your coat, that, that line, you're just like. And it's cool when the guy's like on the it's fryer. So and us. It's so ingrained in us. It's so ingrained in us and surrounded by such, I guess, an iconic film that you kind, it kind of gets away with it. But it totally is a tell and feels like a B movie. There's a few things that date this as like 90s, 90s. Like, sure. Like chill out dickwad. And, and I, <laughs> I had that. I You know. <laughs> Again, this movie gets away with a lot that it probably has no business getting away with. But sometimes I was like, I wonder if James Cameron like hired a teen to help him with the dialogue. Because there's know. stuff that Edward Furlick says where I'm like, does this feel cheesy now because it's so cliche? Like It's like Bert, Bart Simpson saying, I carumba, eat my shorts. I'm just like, what is going on here at points? Yeah. I read a great thing that kind of compared James Cameron and George Lucas that said that they're amazing directing and storytelling abilities the exact words where it helps their movies survive their writing ah. where sometimes like if you wrote out chilla dickwad and asa la vista and you put that script in front of me and i read it i might i might be like what is this what do you what is it what is this movie you're making this is the cheesiest cheese but he delivers it in such a way like star wars they deliver it in such a way that you kind of don't notice it charisma it is there. charisma for both edward furlong anybody will cover a lot of sins of writing one Two, sometimes I wanted this about criticism and even us. Like, we're a bunch of guys in our 30s and we're talking about watching this film. I mean, I guess the film is a hard heart, so it doesn't count. But, like, with the Star Wars films or any film that are, 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 are aimed at kids that are, like, 10 to 15, it's hard for adults, like, to, like, watch it with the same, like, sophistication of a teenager. Because a teenager might listen to Edward Furlong talk and be like, Yeah! That's me. That's yeah. me and my friends. That is how we sound. Mm-hmm. But it's hard. I don't have perspective anymore. So I don't know. I'm like, is he sound how James Cameron thinks kids sound? Or did James Cameron nail it? Like, I don't know. Like, I don't know, you know, what's what a, a 13-year-old thinks like sometimes. So like when I'm like... Especially uh, in 1991. Like, I don't... Well, I was a teenager or not. I was like 12 and or whatever I was. I guess in 91, I was 10. I was but not it's that like, cool. No, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, guess, I guess all I'm saying is it's like... When I kill like a Transformers movie, I'm also not 14. So maybe a 14 year old sees a Transformer movie and he's, he's it's wonder for him and it it speaks to him. I don't know. Well, I don't know. A movie like Lego Movie or whatever appeals to everyone and everyone can like it, or Beauty and the Beast or something like that. Right. Like just because it's for kids doesn't mean it's not for adults. And okay. Another... And when Belle said Dickwad, she got away with it. <laughs> no, <it's good>. Another <laughs> scene that bothered beast. me was exposition when uh, after Edward Furlong takes the three hundred dollars from the ATM machine. <laughs> That's that's not the best time to start talking about your mom, mom and like her whole backstory. Pin number nine zero 
Who'd you learn this stuff from anyway? From my mom, my real mom. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, it's so like a therapy session. Did he just unload? meet this kid yesterday? Like, wouldn't this <laughs> yeah, be like something to talk about at 2 a.m. at a sleepover? I know all of these things. Yeah, get on the fucking motorcycle and get to the arcade because you just stole $300 from a fucking ATM. Like, like my it mom felt like almost like this. a sad piano was going to yeah. kick in or something. That was weird, point. bad exposition. Well, you've... You you've said several times that you liked Edward Furlong, and I think that gets into something. I'm gonna say I thought Edward Furlong was horrible. Sure, sure. I thought he was. I've heard that before. I too. know that he's, and I know it's not it's not the most. Every it's been talked about a lot that he's one of the weakest links, and he is. Like I think he's that, the AJ Soprano of. Uh, of that's Terminator. a very good poll. Yeah, yeah for sure. Where but I thought AJ was good. Yeah, in Sopranos, well, because yeah. AJ was AJ was not like the, it would be like AJ if AJ was Tony. Like like he's you've to be seen the all focal Sopranos point. and uh, spot like here and there. Yeah, oh, I've seen the, I've seen the first it. four Amazing. seasons for sure, mm-hmm. and then I kind of like jumped ahead and then watched the finale? select ones. Yeah, yeah, finale is one of the greatest. Yeah. episodes of TV. They ever. didn't give AJ that many lines. Yeah, yeah, but, but that's what I mean. So he's a kid, and and, and it's a note like he's he's never at, this is a kid who's never acted anything before. He was in line at the, at the Pasadena Boys and Girls Club, and the casting director saw this kid. He was good in American History X. Mm-hmm. Oh, he think he got. I I think he was great in American History X. Yeah. Uh, underrated movie. I, but I, he, I, he was just he. It always felt like like that. What you just said, Shane, about that line is. A better actor could make me be- like, like like Arnold has a million info dumps. There's parts where he's literally just, just writing and talking about in 1997 the sentience, and I was. But that's in. what a robot would do. A robot can bring up shit but at inopportune times. This kid, it's, it, this kid didn't play. Almost didn't play convincing. Have kid. you had tea, the Terminator over for dinner? <laughs> it's just like it's almost. I feel the same way when I saw Aliens that the little girl also felt like didn't feel like a little girl at all. It felt it felt like James Cameron. I don't know if James Cameron can direct kids. I feel like that's where I'm getting at. I feel like after this movie, he abandoned kids. All He's like, that's it. No more kids in any of my fucking movies anymore. I think there's times where he gets wobbly and you feel like it's going to come off the tracks. I agree. You can see the seams a bit. But overall, I thought he was a charismatic whatever he's supposed to be 14 that's year old. the way i lean towards more that way yeah, I, don't know. I just felt like everyone everyone felt like real like real people and he felt like a kid who is trying his best to be in this movie with arnold schwarzenegger mm-hmm. it just, sure. i felt it and i don't obviously i, know I don't think it's unfair now. like i know i know all these things this was his first movie so maybe i'm projecting speaking of him getting discovered uh, in line uh, by a casting director what a weird scene when uh, the t-1000 goes to the house and he says do you have a photograph of john yeah sure hold on he's a good looking boy do you mind if I keep this picture? He's a good-looking boy. You mind if I keep this picture? <laughs> yeah. What is that I line? I didn't even think about that. Like, like I get why you'd want to keep... It's just, it, together, I just thought, this is the weirdest, creepiest, like, yeah. they show him the picture, he goes, that's a good-looking boy. Do you mind if I keep this picture? <laughs> what? So, remind me of the context. He, why, why did like, he, where did he get the picture from again? He shows up to the, the parents, the foster, the foster parents, parents place. He goes, where's the, the boy? They're like, well, if you know where he is, you tell us. He's like, do you have a picture of him? The mom goes, she pulls one out of the thing. She shows him the picture and it's just this cop and they're like, what has he done now? And then he just goes, that's a good looking boy. Do you mind if I keep this picture? And they're like, yeah, sure. But it's like... No one's like, good looking boy. Or what has he done? And like, why does this weird cop want a photo of my boy? It's just a... The the, the line together just made me explode laughing. I was just like, what? What? It was slightly odd. Like, just say, do you mind if I keep this picture? Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) Or he's a good looking boy. Enjoy your day. Yeah. <laughs> He's a good looking That's weird. Boy. You yeah. have a beautiful wife. Do you have any photos I can take home with me? Like, oh, what? that's a beautiful woman. You mind if I keep this picture? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> anyway, um, 
So I had a, a, a larger, like, and I talked about, I, I really liked how he went into the themes of, of, of protecting human life and what that means. And, and, but I also feel like there is a weird thing about this movie that he goes into a lot, like in that last line of the movie, again, where he's like, if, if, he, if robots can learn to respect human life, maybe we can as well. It's clearly a theme that he's trying to build on throughout. Like, why did we build all these nukes? What if we're all built to destroy each other? And yet, he also will have scenes we talk about the minigun scene a lot, where clearly the point of the scene is supposed to be, look, Arnold Schwarzenegger with the giant gun, cool, that's so cool. It's action so porn. We're fetishizing violence while also making a movie about how bad it is for us to be such violent people. But and I felt it, like it was a real... He knows what he's selling, though. But sure, Terminator's course. doing that for a purpose to save humanity. I'm just saying there's a hypocrisy in the theme of the movie where it did feel like this. He, James Cameron wants to stand up and be like, we're all, why are you all trying to do this to each other? We're all bad people who want to nuke each other while also making a movie that loves like, gunplay from top to bottom. Mm. Yeah, I mean, do, do not movies like this feed into why we want to destroy each other so much? Because we think being a badass killer like that is but super this cool. is the only way you because badass killer people are going to see movies like this, mm -hmm. so they're not going to see the the documentaries on recycling. So the only way to talk to <laughs> these badass recycling, the movies. only way to talk to these maniacs is to make a movie that speaks to them <laughs> the and, and, and Trojan horse maniacs. the messaging. Yeah. Trying to teach him some empathy. Yeah. Oh, that's interesting. Donald Trump probably saw this movie. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's not yeah. a good, that's, not, that's yeah. a horrible. Well, I'm just saying, think how much worse he would be without this film. Oh, I see. <laughs> we got the best yeah. version of him. I, I was going to say, a film, like a choice here that was made clearly by um, James Cameron, who is not subtle, uh, is no. every time early in the movie when Edward Furlong would appear, they would have some sort of punk song or like, it would always be like a sound up of like, you know, you talked about Bad to the Bone playing when Arnold mm -hmm. walked out of the bar. Like the first four times Edward Furlong appeared on screen, it would be like, we're not gonna take it. It wasn't that song, but it was some like yeah, yeah, clash yeah. or some eight nineties like you know yeah. he's wearing his public enemy shirt. It was very on the nose. Where it's I was a just constant like, reminder that that this is a summer like it does have the subtlety of a sledgehammer. Exactly. Like the nuke scene, I uh, the nuke scene should probably be in the in the in the first part because I really liked how it was done. But it is the yeah. Idea we didn't of, even talk about that. That yeah, was it was fucking awesome. It was amazing. The nuke scene and how and how perfectly realized it was. But the idea of of nukes are bad we all want to hurt each other like there is there's not a lot of subtlety in no. this movie it is it is meant for the masses and it's movie. not like so he's some deep philosopher like no. it's like he's kind of he doing pretty basic empathy does do you yeah i think james cameron absolutely thinks that he is an auteur on the levels sure, of, of, maybe. of of orson wells who, but, who makes real artistic masterpieces to shane's point you you're not going to get asses in the seats if you don't have absolutely like, oh i'm not i'm not complaining yeah. per se, but it is something where where shane and in, in multiple other episodes you you talk about comparing pedestal movies to 2001 it's like is this yeah. a high art movie or is it just a pretty damn good summer blockbuster well i think are, you can have an awesome I summer agree. blockbuster that's like i think billy madison is artistic in a lot of ways, like comedically ridiculous. I, I think, yeah, and I agree. And, I, and I, I think that the, 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 the themes of, of how we want to destroy each other elevate it. It's just that there are some times that kind of make you be like, yeah, like it's not, it's, it's a little inelegant. Well, that, I, I, I kind of, there's something interesting about where you're going, which is like a macro sort of thought, which is like, uh, if James Cameron is concerned, let's say about the way that humanity is going, 
is his art feeding into sort of like our violence and our thirst for violence and how we sort of like um, are drawn to these things? Like, is yes. he hurting the cause more than helping it? Where ostensibly it would look like he wants to make a film that maybe is saying something about where we're going. Correct. But it ends up triggering some kid to pick up a gun and shoot You can shoot make somebody. an anti-violence. I think the, the most effective way to make an anti-violence film is to show the brutality of it. This movie right. was so violent. Like when, it's I mean, I know he's a machine, violent. but when his head's being bashed in in that last scene, mm -hmm. I, like I'm soft in my old age, but I, I, I couldn't watch it. I was like, fuck. Yeah. Oh, I'm yeah. Like, and he's well, a robot. I know. And they the made, robot thing does help excuse a lot of the violence, but it they does. made death important too. And like, yeah. it's like, don't kill those people. Like, don't Every kill. death did feel important. Mm -hmm. When the, that I didn't even like that foster dad. Like the foster dad is. I think those foster parents got a raw deal, man. Poor Todd. These are my notes. Poor Todd and Janelle. All they wanted to do was give this boy a home, and he treats them like shit. Like, you know, they provide, and they, they end do. up losing he, he, their lives. They, I think he goes to he tries to make them seem like pieces of shit but you are right mm -hmm. he, they they are opening their home I think a kid. lot of foster parents are secretly shitheads <laughs> oh yeah yeah you always hear <laughs> absolutely it. yeah fair well, because they get paid they get they, they get paid they're, to oh it's a business oh yeah yeah just they're like, not as nice I don't as want it to start seems. getting on they're incentivized they're, to have kids they're not the people who adopt the kids they're just like the people who house them for cash ah okay and the government pays for their for their college if you're foster if you keep them in foster care. There's there 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 are differences between ad, 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 adoption. All right. Well, I don't want to overstep. If any uh, foster parents <laughs> or kids are listening, but, you pieces of shit. <laughs> but another thing that bothered me. Okay, so uh, Edward Furlong is being chased by T1000. Yeah. The the scariest monster of of all time. Scariest indestructible <laughs> robot. He's gonna fucking get you sooner or later. So he just as he gets away for like two seconds, he decides to stop on his motorbike and kind of look back out of breath. It's like, no, <laughs> you keep going. You're not pedaling on a bike. It's a motorbike. You're kind of out of breath, but that doesn't need to mean the motorbike needs to stop. Keep driving away. Don't wait to see if the T-1000 is going to come come flying off that overpass, yeah. which he surely is. They, they do it again <laughs> later where after he gets blown up from the, the fro like the, when he gets frozen and blown apart, I'm like I'm, I remember even this time like yelling at the screen like go fucking book yeah. it like they're just watching they're just standing there for quite a while mm -hmm. watching the pieces come back together come back I together. thought like, that as well fucking move so I don't like metal, that shit it's where it's run. falling into those devices Agreed. where we're yelling at the screen Agreed. show me have him trip over an acorn or something and fall <laughs> off his bike and then or anything to, anything where he falls off the bike yeah. don't have him stop on his own free will on the scariest fucking thing ever to come to earth is chasing you you're not going Does he to know that it's the scariest thing ever yeah he's, i would assume he's, he's been seen through it, enough he's seen it get shot and okay you're right yeah right yeah yes. he has at that point seen it yes transform transform right. so yeah you've seen some alien mm -hmm. thing that is chasing you you never stop no so, but I mean, again, I go. I wonder if that speaks like like does, does his face kind of a. I do feel like his face is kind of a blank for a lot of it. He's not as terrified as I think he should be. Well, I guess he's been training for the apocalypse his whole do life. Do you so think they they cast a non actor for uh, John Connor to make Arnold look better? That was interesting. Uh, I thought about that actor. You mean like when they do the uh, flashback and then it shows John Connor? Or I guess flashback. No, you're talking about the kid, I mean, Edward Furlong. Furlong. I mean, oh, how no. they, what, they specifically yeah. no. hired a non-actor. He probably thought Edward Furlong was cool shit. Yeah. yeah. I know. It's James realistic. Cameron didn't, didn't like him. James Cameron was compelled by the cast. The casting director was like, no, this kid is... This Wait, kid is Cameron more. says like he didn't Cameron like him? Cameron did not like him 
there was some like documentary and he had, uh, he had to be like talked into it. <laughs> All right, James, sit down for your, your interview. I just want to say I don't like that kid. He's a brat. Well, there's, I Listen, mean, I'm very proud of you too. I just have to make one thing clear. Pulls out. He's sitting right beside Edward. <laughs> <laughs> he's like sitting behind, like eating snacks. I don't like to really throw people attention. under the bus, but the casting director fucking forced me to do it. So that was not I mean, on then me. He's like, then I then I think goes into, but then I'm happy I was compelled into doing it. Da, 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 yeah. Da, but the, the, the diplomatic thing. But. I've talked about this already, but the magic fucking ATM technology that got him the pin <laughs> code, not only got him the pin code for the technology, but it fucking came back later when he needed the code to get the key to get the uh, technology. It's true. You're not buying that. I was like, that thing is pretty fucking handy. I'm like, that thing is honestly more impressive than the robots. Like, does that technology it's the hat exist? on the hat thing. The idea of like, I, yes. can, I can believe so much, but the moment you push me like one millimeter further, I'm like, come on. You gotta be kidding me. Like, what a good cheat code. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, at least I guess they foreshadowed it earlier in the It's film, hard but. for me to hate on that because it was such a fantastical dream for me to have that thing yeah. that I, I just have that thing. That device on a pedestal. More wish fulfillment. Yeah, exactly. Well, it's almost like Say, some kids would have wanted the Terminator uh, as their best friend. You wanted that thing. <laughs> well, to, in my stupid younger mind, the Terminator was not possible. That thing existed in my mind in yeah, real life, and I could actually have unlimited money. You're stealing it. 300 at a time. When people used to ask what I wanted to be when I grew up, I would always Thanks, just Robert. say a millionaire. Yeah. And that was it. I didn't even know what you had to do. All I know is I wanted to be a millionaire. Mm -hmm. And it, that was the easiest way to get. It's still attainable. <laughs> $300, $300 a day <laughs> till you get to one. When you're 11 years old, yeah. 300 bucks is like a lot oh of money. Oh my God. So I, Jesus I agree Christ. with or, it, it did make him, it is a good way to make him seem super duper cool right off the top. Like, look at it, he's getting $300 <laughs> and he's using it at an arcade. What a cool kid. Okay. And if, okay, if you work at an insane asylum, are you going to be making fun of the insane people? Like, oh, I just heard another yarn from old crazy lady over there. She believes that a machine called a Terminator, which looks human, of course, was sent back through time to kill her. That's original. Oh, she's ridiculous. <laughs> like, stop making fun of people yeah. with mental illness if you work there. Yo, and to that point, the dude, the, the orderly that licks her. Oh, yeah. man. Like, I, I'm like, That's everyone disturbing. in this movie is shitty mm -hmm. pretty much except for Arnold. Like, yeah. and maybe Sarah point. Connor. Everybody in this movie is comically like, a shitty person. Like, parents are the worst. Doctors oh. are the worst. Like, I was just like, he's really laying it on thick. And I was like, the lick. Come on, I get. I guess to show that her her circumstances are dire and the worst, but it was just like fuck. Well, so, that's so gross. So the idea is supposed to be, I guess, it's that old school style of if you're gonna have a bunch of people die, we have villainize to, them. We have to villainize sure, them a little sure, bit. Sure. I don't, I don't well, it reminded me a lot of Kill Bill in in that sense when uh, Uma Thurman's raped in, yeah. in that scene. Yeah. And I was like, is it going to go there? I was like, I've totally blocked this scene There's out if it does. There's a story recently in the news that there's some woman who's been in a coma for 20 years. She had a kid. She's birth. pregnant, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. I've thought about that right when I like, I look at and, and you see him like leaning in. You're like, oh, mm -hmm. you know what's coming to. It's disgusting. It was disturbing. That You know how you said that certain scenes were disturbing when you were a kid? Mm -hmm. That one, I remember, and I'd forgotten about it until I was watching this last night, and I was like, Oh fuck! I forgot about that scene, and it grossed the shit out of me. Then, guys, we've done we've gone long on Terminator okay. Two. I will say the the guy who invented the uh, yes, we've the, told the left AI, him out. Yeah, he gets shot more than like fifty cent. <laughs> he's holding. He's like, <laughs> did you write that line last night? No, Alex did. <laughs> and, and I it go, Alex, text me that line. <laughs> he got shot more than fifty cent, and and then he's just like. 
if if that went bad, if he actually like died there and wasn't just clinging to life, end of the movie, the whole thing blows up. No, and, and when, so then then this SWAT team or whatever comes up to him, <laughs> and he's like, I don't know how much longer I can hold on. It's like okay, but the SWAT team guys can hold on. Why yeah. don't they fucking grab it? They're like, run! <laughs> you're a lot more likely to die if you run. You just run over and yeah, grab it. And it's arm. not like you're just some random They're dude. Cowards. You're on the SWAT team. Yeah. Well, grab I guess the, the cops are bomb. bad guys in this movie, too. <laughs> yes, you're right. Everyone's bad guys except Everybody for... in this movie But shitty. it was just so stupid, that yeah. part. Yeah. I thought... Um, <laughs> and I guess this... And this is why I asked about Sarah Connor earlier, if like her sort of like... Um, her loyalty was to the mission or to her son, and I and I and the reason I ask that is because when she unloads on the dude that created the technology, him and his family are at home, and she almost fucking takes out a little kid. Remember, she's shooting into the oh, home. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm like, holy crap! I'm like, yeah, obviously she doesn't hit the wife or the kid, but is she so blind by her mission that she's ready to murder a family? Yeah, like the murder is, a yes. family. That is, and okay. that's, the is, idea it was is, just is a she, jarring is scene. Is she any? And at that, that point, is is she now any better than than the? These robots. Well, in some ways, it got me back to that old Star Trek adage, which is the needs of the many outweigh the needs of the few. Do you watch Star Trek? A little bit. So if she kills, <laughs> yes, a child, uh, like if she kills this family of three, terrible, terrible, terrible. But if it means that the world doesn't end in apocalyptic sort of like uh, horror, then are their deaths worth it? I mean, that's a big philosophical question. Is one life worth a million? But then it's yeah. the idea of is kill- <laughs> yeah. even a child. <laughs> yeah. It's yes. the idea of kill of, of indiscriminate killing breeds more indiscriminate killing and then we're just back where we started in the first place. Yeah, until Arnold's in a window blowing up a bunch of cops. Like, fuck yeah! Well, well, the idea too is if I don't kill this kid or this man, the kid's dead anyway. Yeah. 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 That's when she yells that at the guy like, You think you're saving a life? You're already dead. Everybody. Him, you, you're dead already. This whole place, everything you see is gone! That nuke scene is how she sees the world. We're all just like ready to be Dust blown in the wind. Yeah. Um, we talked about this earlier, and since I was like a kid, this always bugged me. And the idea of if they indeed, it's, I know it's a nitpicky thing, and I know it's a movie, and I know it's a time travel movie, and there'll always be paradoxes. But if, if they prevent this future from ever happening, then John Connor should never be born. It's just yeah, he'll just it's, he'll it's disappear a, like Back to the Future. It's a leap that I can't. That I, it's always like yeah, but I mean that is the reality. Why 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 do they never? And then they address it in the third movie, and then they create a whole because they address it, they create a whole bunch of new problems because they address it, and then it just becomes a time travel thing. You well, can't just, there's always going to be problems. This is the problem with time travel. You said you like time travel. I love time That's travel. why I groaned is because you always inevitably come to a paradox of some sort where you can't quite figure it out. And I think what happens with writers and creators is so to your point it's like well if they prevent the future then john the guy john connor's father can't go back in time and impregnate sarah connor so that means that john connor has to cease to exist like in the moment i guess no one's ever figured that out well here the bigger problem to me is why is it just the idea that because one guy's a really good revolutionary leader there can't be another one like very good point can you is he irreplaceable someone will fill the void yeah yeah that's a very good point like if they end up do killing john connor is that it like there's like wow like like yeah, where like, where is John Connor? Where'd he go? Is someone else like he clearly didn't seem like yeah, such maybe a they brilliant up, Maybe they end up with a better that's a uh, great yeah. point. opposition <laughs> yeah. to their future. That's a really, really good yeah, point. It's like it's like they it's like they killed DeMar DeRozan, but then LeBron James stepped in and now Ex- they're exactly fucked. there's always somebody who's gonna be better. Like if Isaac Newton didn't live, someone else would have figured out an apple. There was just a power there. vacuum. They needed it. It's fair. It's fair. Um, Someone's gonna spot the apple. Um, <laughs> the gravity exists. Like if there was no Isaac Newton, no one would ever notice <laughs> yeah. it ever again. 
Um, but yeah, I guess that's a really good point. Like, there is never ever addressed. Like, oh, like it almost would be interesting if someone said out loud, "They're like, wait a minute, wait a minute, what if?" It's too nitpicky. They go just. But then enjoy you start to go down this the, that route where it's like, but you're using time travel as and I'll tell a you, device to tell us. I'll a story. tell you, and I've seen like time travel movies. What was that big fucking indie film that everyone loved? Where Did they say oh, Primer. Primer. I've seen movies where they try to intelligently sort of uh, solve time travel paradoxes, and those movies are boring as shit. Yeah, I like Primer. I, I do too. Uh, just because I'm fascinated by time travel and yeah. all the problems that can happen. Okay, another thing that bothers me: T1000. He's a robot. He wastes no time fucking killing people. He's emotionless. I know where you're going. At the with very this. end, he's fucking slow mo walking he up has to him Sarah Connor. Dead to rights. It's like just murder. Do the thing where your finger turns into that blade and I go said that right out loud. Go right through her fucking heart. All of a sudden, he's this maniacal villain from like a 1930s movie. He might have a reason though to keep her alive, and that's he. She might be bait for John. No, no, but there's yeah. a part yeah, later on. Right. You know right. what I mean? I think yeah, it was a tactical yeah. decision. But hold yeah. on, there's a part later on where he's pretending to be her yep. and he is right in front of her and that's exactly like why don't yeah. you just do the move do the thing yeah. you did to the day become her. this is a better point for you when he has John Connor there kill just him. extend your move. kill her become the mom yeah. and then you don't have to worry about real mom ruining your shtick yeah. I'm just saying there was a point where he he was as far away like five feet away from John Connor like looking at him had him dead to rights and then waited long enough for the real Sarah Connor to come behind and shoot him like just yeah. do your thing what are you waiting? What's the, I thought the idea is Terminators don't hesitate. Mm -hmm. yep. Yeah, it was and a it movie did thing. such a good job about not hesitating. Yeah. At so many points, which is, which is what it betrayed the logic yeah. of the film in the very end. Yeah. yeah, guys, we are at that time now. Uh, who wants to start? I mean, this is where the three of us decide whether we want to keep Terminator Two Judgment Day on the pedestal or knock it off. I'll start. Yes. Not only is this movie on the pedestal for me, it's more on the pedestal than it ever was when I was young. This movie actually got better as I got older. The effects somehow got better. The, uh, the effect on me was deeper, and I was more entertained and laughed harder and was more uh, brought along on the ride than I ever was. So, yeah, Stays awesome on. movie. One of the best movies I've seen in the longest time. I 100% agree. I think that this movie, um, which actually to this day is still sitting at 93% on Rotten Tomatoes, uh, 100% uh, deserves to stand the pedestal. It, I actually 100% agree with you, Shane. I, may, I don't know if I appreciate it more because I haven't watched it in 20 years, uh, but I was shocked not only at how much it held up, but how entertaining it was. And uh, like I said, it's probably the all-time best B-movie. And so for that reason, it absolutely has to stay on the pedestal. Yeah, three for three, for sure. Like, I, I, you see you make fun of my notes, but a lot of these notes were like beefed up later because by far... Nitpicky, this, yeah. This is the least amount of notes, not even nitpicky. I was... I. I've seen this movie so many times and you just get so drawn into it. Like, like, like 25 minutes can go by where I'm just locked in. Like in, in, 2000, in 2019, where there's so many easy ways to get distracted, I just, I'm so keyed into this movie. Ups and downs, everything. It's just a, such a perfectly plotted, paced, directed, well-told story. It's amazing. Mm -hmm. it's, it might be my, it might, of all the 14 we've done so far, I think it might be my favorite watch. Like, I, yeah, yeah I'm, I'm I agree. Our easiest consensus. I'm for watching sure. it critically, which was which which is a different. Like it's, I usually do it different. I'm trying to like okay, now I'm not going to do this as a fan. I'm going to try to do this a lot. Of, and even then, I'm like it's it's so hard to to pick this movie apart because it's like nearly perfect. It's incredible. Look gorgeous too. Yeah, mm -hmm. still held up. Like when Amazing. I was watching it on my TV, I was like, fuck, this same looks DP great. as yeah. Ghost. Really? Yeah. Well, move yeah, you guys both <laughs> unceremoniously booted <laughs> off that pedestal. Organize it. Uh, all right. 
That's and now not. we got to close the book on that one. Those are post-it notes. By <laughs> These <way>. are post-it <laughs> notes. There are no books. I forgot my book. In this room. Yeah. It would have be been better if it was a falling out. <laughs>